Welcome to 101 Stage Adaptations. I'm your host, Melissa Schmitz. I'm a theater artist and arts administrator, and I wrote my first stage adaptation when I was 22. Now I'm interviewing playwrights about their own adaptations, their creative process, and how they make it all work. Welcome to episode 40! Today, I am celebrating one year in podcasting. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much to all the listeners who have been here since day one. Thank you to everyone who listened once because they liked the guest that was on. Thank you to all my relatives who don't know a lot about theater, but listen anyway. Shout out to all my international listeners in the UK, Australia, Germany, and my BFF Jessica in Sweden. Oh my gosh, it has been a wild ride, y'all. I can't believe how much has happened, and yet we're only 11 of 101 adaptations in at this time, so there's 90 more to go. Oh my gosh. Okay, but here's some fun facts from the first year. Your top five episodes for this entire podcast are number one, episode 25, Play Club with Amy Wheeler and Paul Cruz. That's the number one. Number two is episode nine, National New Play Network and New Play Exchange with Nan Barnett. Number three, episode 18, Playwright Marketing with Patrick Gabridge. Number four, episode 19, Chicago Theater Week 2023. Oh my gosh, I was just thinking about that and how I can't wait for Chicago Theater Week 2024 info to come out so I can plan my life around that, or at least plan my February. And number five, episode 13, The Steadfast Tin Soldier by Mary Zimmerman, my theater hero. Oh my god, I can't believe, I can't believe I actually got to talk to her. That was amazing. So like literally every conversation is my favorite conversation. They just keep getting better and better somehow. And so to celebrate this first year of podcasting, uh, let's take a look back on a couple of highlights. I really love to ask people what their first theater memory is because I never know what I'm going to get. But probably two of my favorite stories are from Vincent Murphy in episode four and Mary Zimmerman in episode 13. Have a listen. I'm backstage at the Boston Children's Theater. Really wonderful, wonderful place. 500 seat theater in the heart of Boston. I've never seen a play in my life. Uh, I grew up, you know, with a welfare mother, six kids, housing projects, you know, theater was Mm. not on the on the radar. And uh, I almost got arrested for collecting money for a non-existent children's theater group. Um, So my mother's welfare worker as punishment, but also because she was a student, made me join Boston Children's Theater. They needed boys, right? 14, 15-year-old boys. So I'm backstage and there's Alan Deans, 16-year-old Alan Deans in Sleeping Beauty, you know, coming backstage. And at the end of the show, he's got to change and he's got to go in and cut down the thorns in order to get to Sleeping Beauty and give her the kiss. And I'm sitting back there, you know, a little freaked out going... What am I doing? These guys wear tights, you know, just where I came from in the housing project. You know, you didn't wear tights. So what's up with this? And Alan goes on stage and, you know, I had to set out a couple of props for him. So he got the sword, but he put his boots on backwards. He just, he was such a rush. He put his boots on backwards and I watched him go. And I went, you know, it hit me. It took me 10 years to actually know what I think I know now, which Mm -hmm. is 
you know, this, the metaphor of theater hit me and that you could choose to be, you know, he was choosing to be the prince. He was choosing to go kiss this Emily Principe, you know, South African woman who's only 16 Mm -hmm. years old. And I went, you know, I started molting, you know, my skin started falling off and somebody else started to emerge in that moment. That was my first big theater experience. Wow. Okay. (laughs) So I, I was hoping you would tell that story because I read it. I read it and I was like, we have to talk about this. Okay. So first of all, this was a punishment. You were, it was a punishment to go (laughs) work backstage in theater. And because, because you were impersonating some sort of, I don't know, development officer (laughs) on the streets of Boston, collecting money for a fake children's theater. Okay. First of all, um, how did you come up with that idea and how long before you got caught? Yeah, well, we, D- Donnie Langell and I, he was my crime buddy in this one. Um, you know, we wanted fudge <laughs> and we wanted to go see a movie. So we didn't have any money to do that. So it was like, what could you do? And they, and he said, you know, let, let's say that, um, you know, we're on Boomtown or we're on one of the TV shows. And I went, nobody's going to believe we're on a TV show. And he says, well, what about theater? And I says, well, what about that? Because we used to do skits occasionally in our living room, like we'd play Abraham Lincoln to each other or, you know, and laugh and do stupid things. So it's like, oh, oh, theater. So like children's theater, because, you know, we're only 14 years old. So, you know, that'll appeal to people. So we had cans and we wrote children's theater, you know, on a piece of tape and put it on the can. And we went around saying, you know, we're collecting money for children's theater. Um, and you know, we got away with this twice and then, uh, I got caught, uh, by a cop, um, busted. <laughs> no. and you know, my mother thought it was funny, um, but she knew something was up, you know, it was interesting with my mother because as much, as much weight as she had to carry in her life, you know, she was a very astute woman to go, he's choosing theater for a reason. Um, and then she talked to, you know, the welfare worker about it and the welfare worker said, Hey, there's this thing, children's theater and stuff. So as punishment, um, I was made to go take an acting class at Boston Children's Theater. We lived in England when I was five and six years old. My parents were professors and were on sabbatical there. And um, I do think I, I'm, it's told that I, we were taken to a production of um, Cyrano de Bergerac in Hyde Park and that I, you know, wept when it was over because it was over, even though it was, you know, four hours long or whatever. But, but, but I don't myself have memory of that. What I do have memory of, and this is a true story. And if anyone's ever listened to an interview with me, they've probably heard, heard me tell it, but it is true. Um, we lived in a suburb of London and right behind our house was a woods called, in this very British name, the Little Woods. Down the street was the Big Woods. And um, I used to wander around in there after school it was a different time. So I was only five or six years old, but I wandered around in there by myself. And there was a clearing in the middle of the woods that unbeknownst to me every year, there was a production of Midsummer Night's Dream. And I actually came upon rehearsal and it was ill met by Moonlight Proud Titania between Titania and Oberon and the Changeling Boy. And they had their lines and then they separated and Oberon ran around in a circle a bunch of times. And there was like a little bit of music. I, in my mind's eye, it's on a gramophone, but I don't know <laughs> that that's possible, but like a little plugged in thing. Um, and they ran around in a circle a bunch of times and all of a sudden the guy playing Oberon stopped and started laughing and everyone was laughing. He said, how, how many times do I go around? 
and everyone was laughing and laughing. And that was so striking to me. I, some people think when I tell the story that I thought I was seeing fairies, I, I knew absolutely I, I was not, I, I absolutely knew what was going on. But what I was seeing was adults playing in a way I'd never seen in my life, like playing like children, really. Yeah. And yet there was a sort of seriousness to it, too, or concentration or organization to it that child's play maybe doesn't always have. Um, but it was mostly their kind of riotous laughing and everyone cracking up and everything stopping while everyone laughed. That was so, I think, really attractive to me. I mean, what? What? It's not a contest, but I'm not sure you can beat either of those stories. Like, panhandling, <laughs> pretending to be somebody else to get money, and also um, wandering through the woods and coming upon Ill Met by Moonlight Proud Titania. Like, oh my god. That is... that's like the best thing that's so that's like in a movie that's something that would happen in a movie right both of these stories so it's it's not a contest but i'm not sure you can beat either of those stories but if you can please message me i would love to hear the story of your first theater memory also, I'm still shocked whenever someone says yes to being on the show. I feel like I'm constantly punching above my weight class and people continue to say yes. And so that's delightful and amazing, right? Like Teenage Dick by Mike Lou and Everyone's Fine with Virginia Woolf by Kate Skelsa are two of my favorite contemporary plays. And I got to talk to them both and like let my inner fangirl come out a little bit. Like I try to keep it professional around here, but people who know me know that I really have no chill. What I didn't expect from this first year of podcasting was how much work it takes to keep a podcast going. Oh my gosh. It's about 10 hours of work for one interview episode. And that's because it's still just me doing all the things. And I am like a streamlined queen. And like, it still takes a lot of prep and a lot of uh, post-production, right? With the editing. Um, even if an episode has minimal editing, it still takes time to go through and make sure that the sound, there's nothing like weird happening with audio. I really loved my two-part conversation with Emmanuel Wilson from the Dramatist Guild, and that was episodes 35 and 36. He was such a great guest. The whole conversation was my favorite, but I really loved when he talked about going to see theater, especially the bad stuff. Plays and musicals are the vegetables of life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Listen, like, eat them. Mm-hmm. Get come on, get get them all. Uh, okay, I've never heard of this this writer or this thing. Hmm. Right. Listen, expose yourself expose yourself to things that are that are foreign. And I and I use that word in so many different ways because you can apply it in so many different ways. You know, you you've never seen an opera before. Go see an opera. Mm-hmm. Go. Go. Why not? Why aren't you seeing it? Well, that's not my art form. Uh, 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 uh. Mm -hmm. No, 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 no. That is your art form because there's so many, there's so many writers who go from musical theater, theater, opera, 
what it could be, mm-hmm. but you also have to, you have to experience the experience. You have to see the size of it. You have to see what they're talking about. You, you have to expose yourself to how they practice their craft. And 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 I, I I do admit that theater is prohibitively expensive. It's it is different than the written word for you know literature or going to a um, an art museum or going to see a movie. Those are far more accessible Mm -hmm. because as much as you want to read the work, you also, you also need to see the work. Yes. You need to see the work and that can become cost prohibitive. Um, The guild has a program called playwrights welcome that we work with um, Concord theatricals on. Mm -hmm. They're our, they're our partner. It started at Samuel French Concord purchased Samuel French and, now you know that that is the that is our partner, and it gives drama skilled members as long as they have their their virtual or physical membership card access to a whole range of theaters that are giving tickets away. Mm-hmm. Do the research. I did a whole episode on just playwrights welcome. Oh my gosh! Yes! Oh my gosh! Thank you! I thank you for that. But go see as much as you can and see the, oh, see the bad stuff. Yes. Whatever you define bad. <laughs> don't look at something. Don't look at something and go, oh, I don't want to see that. No, see it. Mm-hmm. It's, in a, it's, in a, it's, in a, it's a production in a supermarket. Go see it. It's happening in a park. Go see it. It's on Broadway. Figure out a way to go see it. It's happening off Broadway. Go see it. It's happening in Queens, Bronx, Staten Island. Go see yes. it. Yes. It's happening. It's happening you know, across the street in the barn, in the barn, because that's where they do the shows. Yes. Go see it. Go see everything. There's theater everywhere. You, you there's a high school that's doing a, you know a chorus line. Go see it. Yes. Bam. Go see it. You know you okay you you got some performing arts schools that are doing some theater. In schools that are not performing arts, go see it. Mm-hmm. You never know what you're going to be exposed to. You never know what you're going to see. You never know what you're going to learn. And you have to sit in the craft. Yeah. And watch the craft and read the craft and listen. Um, people that are growing up right now, uh, there's so much that's accessible to you. Yeah. Interviews, conversations. You live in an age where everything is actually at your fingertips if you just know what to put into the search engine. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what I would tell any artist. Yeah, don't make it about you. Don't make it about you. Make it about make it about the craft. Oh my gosh. That was such a great conversation. I hope you go back and listen to it if you haven't already. That's episodes 35 and 36. So which of the 39 previous episodes have been your favorite? Is there a standout episode or quote or story for you? Message me on social media at 101 Stage Adaptations Podcast and let me know. And if you're loving this show, I would so appreciate a written review on Apple Podcasts and a five-star rating wherever you're listening to this. I would appreciate it so, so much. And I'll be back next week with theater marketing expert, Julie Nemitz. Don't miss that episode. I'll see you then. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of 101 Stage Adaptations. If you liked it, I hope you'll follow or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, and you'll be notified every time a new episode drops. 101 Stage Adaptations is produced by me, Melissa Schmitz, with the help of Hello Podcast Media. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time. Thank you.